this is the climate. It's political instability. It's people distrusting institutions. It's people distrusting political parties. Uh, sorry, my my mom is calling me now. Oh sure. Let me just tell her to call. Yeah. Uh, call her back. Okay. Let me actually Oi, tell my mom my aunt's called. Oi, mommy. Mami, eu tô dando uma entrevista aqui para um rádio, para uma rádio lá dos Estados Unidos. Eu posso falar com vocês depois? Tá bom, beijo, tchau. Oh, cool, we got some real life, real life uh, Portuguese. Yeah. You. I can play that during the opening. Oh my God, you're gonna play that? You're gonna play me talking to my mom? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Very exotic. Very exotic. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. You can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM. You can hear us on iTunes where you can rate and review us. Please do that. It would be so cool if you did that. It is so cool when you do that. You can also find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Facebook. You can also find extra episodes and extended interviews on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's Patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. On today's episode, I speak to Rio-born and based journalist Mariana Shimoes. I interviewed Mariana two days after the initial elections in Brazil. To set up the Brazil elections, I'm going to pass the mic to a good friend of mine. Uh, put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, for none other than Amy Goodman. Round of applause. Okay, Amy Goodman is not here. She is the host of Democracy Now! And I'm just going to play some audio from that show. Far-right former army officer is moving closer to becoming the next president of the world's fourth largest democracy. On Sunday, October 7th, Jair Bolsonaro won 46 percent of the vote in a far more decisive victory than was expected. Because he didn't hit 50 percent, he'll now face Fernando Haddad of the Leftist Workers' Party in a runoff on October 28th. Adagi wins 29 percent of the vote Sunday. Many critics of Bolsonaro warn the future of democracy in Brazil is now at risk. Bolsonaro has openly praised Brazil's military dictatorship, which lasted from 1964 to 85. He also has a long history of making racist, homophobic and misogynistic comments, once telling a female lawmaker she was too ugly to rape. Bolsonaro's popularity has soared in recent weeks after he was stabbed while out on the campaign trail. On Sunday, Jair Bolsonaro's social liberal party— He's very right-wing, so don't be fooled by the name of that party. One unexpected victory is across Brazil. In Brazil's lower house, Bolsonaro's party won 52 seats, up from just eight. It's now the second largest party in the chamber. Bolsonaro's son, Eduardo, received more votes than any congressional candidate in Brazil's history. Jair Bolsonaro also directly benefited from the jailing of former President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, who had been leading all presidential polls earlier this year. Lula has been in jail since April in what many consider trumped-up corruption charges. His handpicked successor, former Sao Paulo mayor Fernando Adagi, now faces an uphill fight against Bolsonaro in the October 28th runoff. By the way, guys, if you listen to this after the elections, don't worry, because it's still really useful. I mean, we're now—everyone's assuming that Bolsonaro is going to win. His lead over Hadaji is narrowing, but it's still— overwhelming. On Thursday, the 25th, Reuters published an article that said that his lead over Fernando Haddad had narrowed 
As of Thursday, he had 56% of the vote versus Hadaji's 44%. And a week ago, the same poll said that Bolsonaro had 59% and Hadaji had 41%. So it's narrowing, but it still doesn't look good at all. And we'll have to wait and see. But it's pretty scary. And um, unless it's like a, you know, Dewey Truman situation, Bolsonaro is going to win, which means that he will be elected on October 28th. Now, we don't know for sure, but my point is, no matter what happens, you can still enjoy this episode if you're listening to it after the 28th, because Mariana tells us a lot about Brazilian history, Brazilian politics. Yeah, so it's a good time and uh, a terrible time, a terrible time in Brazil. Good time, though, if you listen to this episode, eye opening. Really excited to be talking to Mariana Shimoes. Thank you for having me, Katie. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Mariana is a journalist with Agencia Pública in Brazil, and she is based in Rio and is from Rio. Let's turn to um, the elections. You guys held preliminary elections. That's right. And the winner was this far-right leader, Jair Bolsonaro. Jair Bolsonaro. Can you tell us about him? Well, Jair Bolsonaro is a surprise to a lot of people. He's been compared to Trump a lot, but I would say that he's worse than Trump because what happens is he has uh, one foot in the military. Mm. He's an ex-military personnel, right? He was a commander in the military. And not only that, but he has said in multiple occasions publicly, and, you know, anybody who Googles this will see, uh, that he supports the military dictatorship. And he has made uh, also a lot of statements saying that he's in favor of torture. And worse than that, he has also praised this horrible figure here in Brazil. His name is Commander Ustra. He was known as one of the biggest torturers in the military dictatorship. And he's also the man who tortured our former president, Dilma Rousseff, during the dictatorship. And his uh, running mate, who's going to be... Um, you know, has a chance to become the next vice president, is a general, which to Brazilians is quite scary. As you know, we've had a 30-year dictatorship here in Brazil, a military dictatorship. The dictatorship was from 1964 until 1985. Yes, it ended in the 80s, yes. And only recently have we really come into democracy. Mm. Brazil's democracy is fairly young, And so, you know, my parents grew up in the dictatorship. My mother remembers being in college and having uh, military personnel in her classroom, you know, watching to see if people weren't going to say anything, what they labeled as subversive thinking. Monitoring potential subversive thinking. Exactly. So, you know, this is a fairly recent memory for most Brazilians, but unfortunately, We also didn't do much in the way of keeping that memory alive. Mm. So uh, unlike Argentina and Chile, where you have museums dedicated to talking about the horrors of the dictatorship, you know, the people that were tortured and killed in the name of this military dictatorship, those kinds of things aren't talked about as much. And you don't have a museum here. In fact, we have a movement here in Brazil 
to try and turn the headquarters of the DOPS, D-O-P-S, which was the place where the military took in people to later get uh, sent to torture, wow. to get tortured. Um, the DOPS was also a, tor- a place of torture, but a lot of people got uh, brought into these headquarters and then taken to other places where they were tortured as well. So this place, I've passed it many times, I actually used to work right next to it at a building in the center of the city that was right next to it. And uh, there's a movement to try and turn that space into a museum in memory of the dictatorship. But instead, that space right now is being turned into a museum for the police, a, a police wow. museum. <laughs> so it's a very important thing to mention because we have here in Brazil, although the memory of the dictatorship is quite fresh in people's minds, at the same time, uh, the future generations haven't really heard much about uh, the problems that you have when you have a military um, regime. Wow, that's really power, that's really fascinating you know? and scary. It's interesting how history really can affect the present, right? So if the lessons of the past were taught, then conceivably this um, Bolsonaro would be less successful. Right. Bolsonaro also, by the way, he said that he told a female lawmaker she was too ugly to rape. He said that he'd rather his son die than be gay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Here's what he said. And I'm quoting this from an Al Jazeera article by David Child, who was working with me last week here in Rio. Bolsonaro told a Krongus woman she was too ugly to be raped claimed some black people were not even good for procreation, and said he would rather one of his sons die in an accident than be gay, has described having a daughter as a weakness. I like how well-rounded he is. Racist, (laughs) misogynist. Because he's had four boys, and he said, oh, I, I, you know, I was weak, and I had a girl, you know, after having four men. Oh, I see. Bolsonaro says gays should be beaten into turning straight and that most women deserve lower salaries than men and should stay home to care for their children. So listen to this. Guess which newspaper endorsed uh, Bolsonaro saying this. Ready? Bolsonaro is best understood as a conservative populist who promises to make Brazil great for the first time. He has attracted support from the middle class by pledging to reduce corruption, crack down on Brazil's rampant crime, and liberate entrepreneurs from government control. Breitbart. (laughs) No. The Wall Street Journal. Oh, that's right. The Wall Street Journal. Right, right, right. I right, can't right. believe it. So, but with the Wall Street Journal saying that, um, the New York Times saying that they will that Nikki Haley will be missed. <laughs> the Washington Post endorsing Larry Hogan for uh, governor, the Republican over Ben Jealous, the Democrat. We are just seeing how fair and balanced, how balanced, how. I mean, like, the New York Times is supposed to be liberal. Washington Post and Wall Street Journal is supposed to be, like, well, whatever. We know the Wall Street Journal is right. But this is, like, next-level stuff. Yeah, but 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 on the flip side, you have, like, 49 papers around the world that have all said right. this guy's nuts, right? Yeah, Or yeah. this guy is, I know, is but a threat not, to democracy. It's not supposed to be, like, the fucking Wall Street Journal is not supposed to be right, saying Right, 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 right. Um, they're right-wing and conservative, but they're not supposed to be fascist. The thing about, uh, the thing about Bolsonaro is that he is a loose cannon. He has... Again, he's spewing all these things that are, you know, entrenched in hate speech. But surprisingly, this doesn't seem to bother Brazilians because a lot of them have heard all the things that he said. Um, I think mostly everyone has heard the things that he said and they are still voting for him. So 
It's the Trump phenomenon. It's the Trump phenomenon. Exactly. Exactly. Talk about how Brazil is even in, in this position in the first place and how the, the kind of crisis that preceded these elections in terms of Lula and, and Dilma Rousseff and the impeachment. Yeah. So a lot of things happened before we got to where we are, right? So uh, in the years leading up to this, you have a series of corruption scandals involving the Workers' Party, PT, um, and these uh, this eventually culminated in the imprisonment of President Lula. Uh, although President Lula claims that there is a, a, a political persecution against him because uh, he was uh, jailed for owning an apartment that wasn't actually in his name, but that they claim that there are clues to, to the fact that this apartment belonged to him and was given to him as a bribe. Then, of course, you have President Juma Hussef was impeached for fiscal irresponsibility. She was not pe- impeached due to corruption. She was impeached on a tech, the technicality that she was practicing fiscal irresponsibility. So like not balancing the budget? I mean, that's so we I didn't know you could be impeached for that. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> Trust me. Was I it mean, real? Like was to be yeah. to be completely frank, there was a there was clearly a, a political I wouldn't say it was a coup, but I would say that there was a political movement to remove the PT, the Workers' Party. Instead of waiting for the next election, the PSDB, Partido Social Democrático Brasileiro, so uh, Social Democratic Brazilian Party. They are they are right. The center-right party, PSDB, uh, really wanted to take the PT out, and they managed to do so. But what happened in the wake of this is uh, that... After Juma's impeachment, I would say, is when people started to really distrust institutions in Brazil. The impeachment sort of opened and led the way for the um, rise of Bolsonaro. And this is because people started distrusting politicians and institutions in general. And then, you know, long story short... The this is the climate. It's political instability. It's people distrusting institutions. It's people distrusting political parties, people no longer believing in politicians. And so what ended up happening is that Jair Bolsonaro, who was from a party that had very little influence and was relatively unknown up until this point, suddenly appears and says, you know, I'm an outsider. I'm free of corruption charges you should start to back me. Uh, people in Brazil started seeing, oh, maybe this guy is the way to go. Maybe he's hope again. And at the same time, he was already kind of building up to it. He has been building a network via WhatsApp for the past uh, four years or so, where he's been creating groups inside social media and creating a narrative uh, you know, catered to these groups to create his image and the the main thing that you hear from his supporters and i in the in the past couple of weeks i worked with al jazeera on doing reporting about the elections and we spoke to a lot of his supporters and it was actually difficult to find quotes that were much different from each other because they always said mm, the same thing right. it was almost like the political propaganda that he had he had been building up in these whatsapp groups they were so catered and so tailored to to right. 
to hit on these three points that people kept repeating it every single time we interviewed them. You、mm. know, it was always the same thing. And the three points are:、uh, I'm going to vote for Jair Bolsonaro because he supports family values. Even though she doesn't like his sexist views, Brenda de Araujo says she'll vote for Bolsonaro. Principios familia. My main reason is because of family values, the values of procreation between men and women, because we are losing those values. I'm going to vote for Jair Bolsonaro because he has a clean slate, meaning he's not involved in any corruption charges. And、uh, third, I'm going to vote for Jair Bolsonaro because he. He's going to end violence in Brazil. You don't reduce violence with flowers. To be clear, weapons don't cause war, and flowers don't guarantee peace. We've had、uh, an alarming rise in violence in the past few months. Homicide rates are going up, and he's he's capitalizing on this idea that. Uh, we can combat violence. We need to put a stop to this. We need to,、uh, you know, have a firm fist when it comes to violence and have a no tolerance policy. And people love this because they're, you know, they're sick and tired of being mugged. They don't want to deal with this anymore. And so, a lot of people don't necessarily have extreme right wing ideas, but they jump on the bandwagon because this guy sounds super. His ideas sound super attractive. Bolsonaro has tapped into the fears and frustrations of Brazilians, an anti-globalization, anti-establishment stance, not unlike Donald Trump or the Philippines' Rodrigo Duterte. His supporters joyfully mimic Bolsonaro's favorite gesture. This is a gesture of combat against the criminals and corruption that has our country in tatters. Now, I have to mention that with regards to his policies. For what he wants to do to end the violence in Brazil, and this is where it gets really scary. He his whole platform is that he's going to give the military more freedom to shoot to kill. So he's gonna he's gonna loosen the the red tape so that the military personnel can can shoot whenever they see fit. And this is really scary because you know we have right now in Rio a military intervention. That has been going on since February. That means that the military are now able to go into the favelas whenever the president sees fit. Favelas are hard to、uh, describe to 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 a foreign audience, I think, because they're not really slums. I mean, there's a whole history behind favelas, but anyway. Next interview. Yeah, next. Point is that、uh, these these military personnel have now been inside the the favelas. I mean, they have not. To be to be fair, they have gone into the favelas before. Like before the intervention existed, the military was always present in the favelas. The difference is that now, the decision of when they go in and how they go in is made directly by the president and a general that he has appointed directly. So before you had more red tape. Before you can go in and send the military. To do a military operation inside these low-income communities, but now it's like whatever this general says goes. So you've basically、uh, created a top-down level of order where these people, you know, can go in at a moment's notice whenever this one general sees fit. And what ends up happening is that innocent people die, and not necessarily the criminals die, but a lot of innocent people die because these men are trained for war. They come in 
um, shooting to kill. And right now, the numbers have shown that the military intervention from February until August has cost us 1,000 lives. And this is the highest number. This is, sorry, almost the highest number. It's, it's, it's um, leaning towards beating the record of number of deaths in the history of Brazil, of Rio de Janeiro. That if the trend continues until the end of the year, we will have beat that, the record of 2014 from, of the number of deaths. Number of deaths per year. He's not getting rid of violence. He's getting rid of violence that's not perpetuated by the state. And he's responding in the way he's getting rid of a certain kind of violence is through violence, right? Correct. So, so it, the, the military intervention has proven that more guns and more military going into these neighborhoods does not equal less violence. You right. see what I'm saying? And yeah. so that's why people are really worried. Uh, because, and also here in Rio, we have this, um, not only do we have drug traffickers, but we also have this other sect of, um, criminals called militia the, and the militias are basically retired military and police mm. forces that have taken it upon themselves to run the city as if they were a mafia or gang right do you see what vigilante I'm saying? just yeah vigilante kind of thing exactly so these people but it's vigilante but with you know, ex-military personnel. Right, right, right. So, so high-level vigilant, yeah, and yeah. trained, yeah. Exactly. So these men are all voting for Bolsonaro and they're supporting his candidacy. And everything points to the fact that once he wins, you know, if he wins, these people will gain more power. So it's extremely unnerving and scary because you have this scenario, and a lot of analysts are pointing to this, that if Bolsonaro wins, there will be more bloodshed. There is this sort of nostalgia for the past because people are tired right. of corruption, they're tired of violence, and so a lot. He's painting this. People are painting this picture of like, let's go back to the 1960s, and it's a little scary because you know that's when the that's when the dictatorship got instilled. And I went I went to Bolsonaro's house when the election Whoa. results came out because I was covering that and I needed to get quotes from his supporters. And they were playing military marches on the street. And it, it felt like I was back in the, you know, decades ago. It was... Right. What, before you were born, ironically. But before I was born, yeah. But I could, but the feeling was like... Yeah, of course. You, right, right. It felt like it, it was a blast from the past or time travel type yeah. thing. There was these, these marches, these military marches playing, saying, you know, soldier, soldier. It was like this, like, crazy you know, environment. And um, there was large, a loudspeaker playing outside of his house. There were people surrounding the area. There were about, I would say, a couple hundred people. And they were chanting to marching songs and, and, and you know, saying things like, let's put Lula in jail, let's keep Lula in jail. You know, there was a, uh, and a lot of what comes out of the Bolsonaro supporters is the anti-PT speech, right? Anti-workers party speech, right? Well, what's his house like? I mean, so he had a watch party at his house? No, so um, his, okay, so he lives in the richest part of the city, one of the richest parts of the city, uh, in a neighborhood called Baja da Chijuca, in a condo, a closed gated condominium that, that overlooks the ocean, so a very rich area, very rich building. And when he 
when the candidate, when the first round of elections were being announced, there was a Facebook event that said all of his supporters should go stand outside his house to wait for the results of the first round. People went because he was supposedly at home resting because he got stabbed earlier during the campaign. He was inside. He did not come out. But, you know, everybody camped out in front and stood there until the results came out for the first round of elections. So talk about the stabbing. Right. So the stabbing happened, which arguably is also what gave him so much wind. He was able right. to grow up, grow in the polls because after the stabbing, he became viewed as, you know, someone who was wronged, someone who right, was victimized. Right. And he's right. also been able to stay out of the debates. He's asked the ah, doctors. He's recovering. Right. Right. But, you know, arguably he's already recovered because he's already at home. He's well enough to be at home. He's well enough to be at home. But the doctors continue to say that he is unable to participate in the debates, which is a big deal because the debates are when everybody's watching, can hear him talk about his, you know, uh, government plan. But, you know, he's not participating in these debates. So the person who stabbed him was somebody who was, uh, they did a evaluation on this guy and he was mentally unstable. He said that, you know, Bolsonaro was the devil and he had a vision that he needed to get rid of him. Doesn't sound so crazy. <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, everything aside, I, I, I don't think, stabbing someone is the right way to go well, right especially because so, it ha happened to help him but yes we're, right. we're not pro stabbing on the katie helper show we're not pro stabbing and you know the truth is like i was actually upset when it happened i i felt bad for the guy you know mm. even though he does say all these things about torture etc uh i don't think it's i don't think it's the way to go you know um and at the same time, he he's been he's he's gone out and said publicly a lot that he's in favor of, you know, killing criminals outwardly, going out and, and torturing people. He's also said, and I quote, I'm quoting him on this, uh, that the mistake of the military dictatorship was torturing people and not killing thirty thousand. So ah, he right. clearly is a person who incites violence. So it's paradoxical yes. that this guy stabbed him and, you know, he's a person who instigates violence. But right. what I want... I mean, to honestly, I think, yeah, the issue for me is, like, it's not good strategy, morality aside. It's hard for me to really condemn... Well, whatever. It's it's not a good look. Uh, it's not helpful. Right. But, uh, right, this guy also does condemn and encourage violence against people who are very uh, powerless, yeah. So... I work at Agencia Pública. We're an investigative news agency. We're a little bit inspired by ProPublica in the U.S. You've probably heard of that. Yeah. Uh, the idea is to do in-depth, investigative, long-form journalism. Uh, yesterday, we published an article. It was the first of its kind. Uh, you know, it was a it was a huge. Um, effort that we did in collaboration with various reporters all over Brazil to try and gather reports of people that are being uh, threatened, that are being hurt, and that are being, uh, you know, attacked by Bolsonaro supporters all over Brazil. Since the first round of elections, 
there has been a wave of attacks that have just like proven to be extremely violent. One lesbian girl in Porto Alegre, which is a city in the south of Brazil, uh, she was talking to Bolsonaro supporters on the street. There a fight broke out and then uh, they started to say things to her like, you know, uh, you're wait until Bolsonaro wins, like your kind is over, your kind is going to be over these kind of things. And then they, they took her, uh, by the arm and, um, put her to the ground and then carved with a knife, a swastika <gasps> on her belly. Yeah. This is one in several attacks that have happened. The first attack that really exploded in the media was a man in, uh, Northern Brazil, Northeast Brazil. He was at a bar and he started talking to his friend and he was talking about the election. He had just voted and he said he voted for PT. And a man uh, who was next to him overheard. They had a conversation, a quick exchange. And then the man came back to the bar and stabbed him 12 times and he died. Oh my gosh. He's dead. Yeah. He was a capoeira master, a capoeira teacher. Um, and so this was the first attack. And Bolsonaro was asked about... The, this attack and he said I can't control what my followers do it has wow. nothing to do with me these are isolated attacks after he said this a series of other attacks ensued and these attacks uh, have been widespread and I actually was attacked myself in the center of the city this man who handed me a flyer for Bolsonaro gave me the flyer and I walked on and then I when I reached the end of the street I threw it in a trash can he saw me he came after me and he pushed me and said that I was a pig so oh my gosh. these things are happening all over Jesus were you scared when that happened yeah I mean I was terrified and to be honest I didn't even talk about it with anyone because like my first thought you know because that's what we women do is blame ourselves and wow, right and, and victim blame right the first thought in my head was like i wish i hadn't thrown that flyer out you know because i just i felt so humiliated mm. you know were you alone i mean i was alone but i was in the center of the city so there are a lot of people around me and a lot of people saw and the security guard of the mall that i was like next to saw and he didn't do a thing you know, and so, right. and, and that's, that's so the scary. point here is like, you see these men who are suddenly aggressors, be it people who are homophobic, be it people who are just, you know, uh, ex-military personnel who support Bolsonaro. These people being empowered is very dangerous because they feel like they can do whatever they want and they won't get, they won't be held accountable. Right. They won't be held accountable for their actions. And whose word are they going to believe? Me, a woman, mm. you know, who's vulnerable or an ex-military personnel right. who might be attacking me on the street. So this is the point. It's like, And even if they believe you, they're probably scared to defend you. Right, right. So that's the point is like it creates this uh, fear. And mm -hmm. so this week has been very hard for me because I think like, I'm starting to realize that what's going on is like very real, that mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's giving people who, you know, I'm not saying every person who supports Bolsonaro is aggressive, but it's giving those people who are aggressive, who've been in hiding for so long because they are 
homophobic. They, you know, a lot of the reports we've received are from, from gay people, from LGBT people who are being attacked now because these people now feel in the right to do so. Right. And it's becoming, uh, he hasn't even won and it's already becoming, you know, we've, we've, we've received a lot of reports of people saying that, that they've been uh, screamed at on the street, you know, a couple holding hands, a lesbian couple holding hands got screamed at and, and they said to her, uh, they said to them, oh, you know, uh, you, can, you can do that now, take advantage of that now because when B Bolsonaro's coming and you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Like these wow. kinds of remarks are common and uh, it's it's not only just you know intimidation it's it's physical aggression and in some cases death you know that guy right. that was killed that was stabbed 12 times he was killed because he voted for the PT so mm -hmm. it's it's out of control it's becoming scary um, and a lot of people aren't realizing the danger of right. putting a man in power who's openly supports torture, who's openly homophobic, who has said multiple times that he supports the dictatorship. So all these things combined is creating this fear in the air that we don't know what to expect. He said on a live transmission right after the uh, first round of elections that he will not tolerate activism in Brazil. Right. And that's scary because yeah. that is anti he's been pointing in several instances that there will be an erosion of democracy in Brazil should he come to power. Trump is like just a businessman who's awful, whereas Bolsonaro has a real like he was in a military as like exactly. a real reactionary politics and he has a real embrace of suppression of the left. And Trump doesn't even get that. Like Trump doesn't even know what the left is, really. He doesn't get like the he doesn't know that history. Right. And I'm not right, exactly. sugarcoating Trump. Yeah. Glenn Greenwald said. What the Western media has often been doing and talking about Bolsonaro is calling him Brazil's Trump, which drastically and radically understates the case. He's much closer to, say, Duterte in the Philippines or even General Sisi in Egypt, both in terms of what he intends to do and wants to do and what he's able to do given the fragility of Brazil, which is an extremely young democracy that exited a military dictatorship only 33 years ago, and therefore doesn't have the same kind of institutions to limit what someone would want to do the way, say, the United States or, or the UK would. So it's an extremely dangerous moment for this country. That's why I'm saying that, you know, there's a context here Right. in Brazil that makes him a lot worse. And right. that, that yeah. context being he's linked to the military, and that's right. really scary. Yeah. So you didn't tell people about the guy shoving you? No, I, I, I started to tell people, but for a while I was, like, not talking about it. And then yeah. yesterday I told people in, in Publica, and they were very supportive about it. And then I started realizing, yes, I should just probably be more vocal about this because even though it was something, like, small – in comparison to the other things we've been hearing, right. um, it is it shows that the environment right now is extremely fragile. That people are on edge, and that uh, aggressions are not just uh, 
isolated, as right. Bolsonaro has said, but rather it's systematic. It's breaking out in several places. It right. happened to me. It's happening to other people. It's happening mainly also to LGBT people. And so clearly, uh, Bolsonaro's hate speech has instigated violence right. nationwide. Right. And you're like a white woman who's not I'm doesn't a privileged live in the favela, woman. right? And right. you were still pushed and shoved. Does he have support among the among working class and poor people, Bolsonaro, or is it just elites, or is it widespread support? It's uh, the elites are his biggest supporters. You right. have the there was a poll that showed that the majority of his supporters um, are people who gain who have five to ten. Uh, minimum wages that earn five to ten minimum wages. That's the spectrum of the people. So uh, it's the number of salaries you get. So upper to higher class okay, people right. support Bolsonaro. Also a portion of the middle class, right? But also what I've noticed is that a lot of black males support Bolsonaro. Hmm. A lot of poor black males. Not oh. so much black women, but mainly black males from low-income housing. And this is because, and I think this is because my theory, is that a lot of these kids, they don't have access to education. I spoke to several kids um, in a favela last week when we were doing some reporting there. And what they all had in common, especially the men, is that they were unable to finish school. Mm-hmm, and right. this is because the education system is really bad, right? So they don't have access to a lot of education and their whole lives... They are in these communities where there's a lot of policemen, there's a lot of military personnel, and they're always being constantly told that they're criminals in this environment, right? They, they're they bullied by these military people who push them around, who are constantly going through their stuff to check if they're drug dealers and whatnot, even though they're just kids going to school. These kids don't finish school, so what ends up happening is that the only opportunity they have to gain a fixed wage and a good salary in a career where you don't need to have a lot of schooling is basically joining the military. Oh, right. right. Yeah. We have that here too. So these kids end up going in that path because they think to themselves, well, it's either that or I'm going to become a criminal, right? They right. think that's the only option that they have. And or so face a poverty, lot of the, whatever. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of these people think, you know, and I've interviewed several kids who said this, they, they look up to the military. They want to, they want to enlist uh, into the army, and so they support Bolsonaro because Bolsonaro says, "I'm going to better your wages. I'm going to." He he glorifies the military and the armed forces in general. Right. So this is attractive to these young males. So I think that's why a lot of them are Bolsonaro supporters. Yeah. Um, and can you talk about Lula and what is happening with him and uh, where he is and uh, how he how Bolsonaro has benefited from? His imprisonment, Lula's imprisonment has been really beneficial to to Bolsonaro. The country is extremely polarized at the moment. There's a lot of hatred against the PT, and he's he's capitalizing on that hatred. And so, so the best opponent that could possibly exist for Bolsonaro is a PT candidate. Why? Because then all he has to do is point out that the PT was awful, that right. corruption went to an ultimate high during the PT years, and so. A lot of people are only voting for Bolsonaro because they hate the PT. Right. And so, in my opinion, they should have dropped out of the race and Mm -hmm. should have made way for a third option. You know, there was another candidate in the running, Ciro Gomes. He was at, uh, he was in third place. 
Mm-hmm. He finished in third. And so he, if had he, there, you know, the general um, polls have showed that had he gone to the second round with Bolsonaro, he would have won. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, so what's going on now is that now we have a huge difficulty for the PT to catch up. You know, uh, there, it's, I think it's improbable that they will catch up. I think that it's pretty much a sure victory for Bolsonaro. Wow. And so in my opinion, maybe this could have changed had PT not run, you know? Yeah. Uh, because then it's really hard to convince people because the hatred against the PT has been culminating and has been brewing and has been, uh, materializing over the past four years and it culminated with the impeachment you know there were thousands of people on the street demanding that she be impeached yeah so that's not to be taken lightly people need to understand that like there's a huge part of the population that hates them yeah um and it doesn't matter if you agree with them or not it's a fact and so at this point it's like are you going to play with fire and yeah. try to uh, run against this guy, and then another thing that we need to, to to put into the balance is that Lula was was the candidate, and then he was um, you know barred from from running, and then Hadaji had only a month to campaign because he was declared the candidate for the PT um, like basically last minute before the elections. So you're also at a disadvantage in that sense, right? So he tried to run, but he couldn't. I mean, is there the argument that isn't he popular as an individual, Lula? Yes, that, so, and, I, and right. I agree with that because I agree with that analysis that Lula Lula's a phenomenon apart. Yeah. Like, and right. arguably this was also one of the things that I think uh, worked against him is that he he has populist tendencies just like Bolsonaro. Right. In a sense that he, the party has become Lula. Lula is the PT. Sure. You know, and so the party can't really exist without his figure. Mm. And so he made that really obvious when when he tried to, uh, when he shifted gears to Hadaji, because then his, the campaigns that were being run were associating his name with Hadaji constantly. And so the the idea was like, you know, I'm Lula's candidate, not I'm the PT candidate. It's like, I'm Lula's choice. Right. Right. So that in itself is is problematic. Yeah. Yeah, That in itself is problematic. And so uh, a lot of people I've spoken to have said, I would vote for Lula, but I won't vote for Hadaji. So that's an issue. Right. So, but, and, and again, paradoxically, the other side of the coin is that Arguably, um, Hadaji is not that populist figure. Hadaji was a, was considered a good mayor for São Paulo. He won several international awards. He's a, right. really prepared to run. He's really prepared yeah, but, to be a president, you know? But he you know what it sounds like you're sounding like? This is what, I mean, this is the argument. It's funny because I immediately thought of, well, you, you beat a right-wing populist with a left-wing populist, not with a moderate. Right. And I was thinking of Hillary Trump and Sanders, and then exactly, also Hillary being the resume candidate, right? So, which judgment aside, I mean, sometimes you'll have Hillary defenders being like, but she was the most qualified. It's like, okay, yeah, yes, and we know that people don't vote that way. People don't vote based on qualifications. It's a popularity contest. It's, I mean, there is policy stuff too, but it's also not policy. I mean, and that's why the best, the most you can hope for is someone like Sanders, who, or like Lula, right, who is charismatic 
who knows how to speak and move people, engage people, speak to their pain and anger, but puts it in a good direction instead of in a bad one. Right. Well, I actually, I think the closer parallel with Hillary and Bernie would be Ciro, the third, third place with, um, with Hadaji, because in reality, Ciro, although he's not from the Workers' Party, he's also a center-left candidate. So when this election first started, like what I thought was incredibly strange was like, guys, we do have a third option. Why are we voting for one populist? You know, why is it coming down to two populists on either side of the spectrum? Why aren't we going for like a middle ground, right? Well, I know, but I think that that, so to me, that, that is what I was saying. Like, so like Ciro, he's the Hillary because he's the middle, uh, middle of the road person, which in theory you think is a good compromise. But I think that the way politics works is that you don't knock out right wing populism with a compromise. You knock them right. out with a left wing populist. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. but also I think arguably the appeal on either side is again both of them represent nostalgia because Uh on the one hand you have Bolsonaro who's like, let's go back to the 1960s, you know, when violence was contained by the military who were roaming the streets with fear. Right. Right. During a dictatorship. Yeah. And then you have on the other side, Haddad, who's like, let's go back to the Lula years when there was that economic boom, when we were on the world stage, when everybody was looking up to Brazil as the next world power and so he's also selling nostalgia in a sense. So you yeah. have these two sides of the spectrum and uh, people on either side who vote for either side, you know, so, so that so when when they launched their candidacy, it was easy for that to become the two polarizing opposites. Right. Yeah. So Haddad and Bolsonaro are going for the final runoff which will happen on October 28th, two days after my birthday. <laughs> when? So it will be a very tense birthday this year. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's when we find out what's going to happen. But right now the polls are showing that, uh, you know, he's 14, Bolsonaro is at least 14 points ahead. He's got a 58% and Hadaji has 40, 40-something. Right. But other people dropped out, right? So they're kind of hoping that the that, that will help him. But even those numbers you just gave. So that's the most recent poll. It shows that he's ahead. Um, so I think what it's going to come down to are those undecided people, because what a, a lot of people are undecided because they feel that voting for Haddad means confirming the corruption scandals right. of the PT, means banalizing or, you know, how, you, how, how would you say, means supporting... Corruption, right? A lot of yeah. people have defined it that way. Right. Uh, my oh, uncle, yeah. for example, is voting for Bolsonaro. Wow. And uh, my cousins are all rallying together to try and get him to change his mind. They've come talk to me about it, and they've family said to intervention. Me, you got to do an intervention. Family yeah. intervention, and and they've said to me, you know, this guy, the, the, I can't change his mind because he really hates the PT. Yeah. What I told him, I sent him a huge message last night, you know, an audio message over WhatsApp. And I said, uncle, this isn't about 
political parties anymore. Yeah. Like we are facing right now a test to Brazil's democracy. Analysts have been pointing to this. We've had uh, somebody posted today 49 uh, newspapers from 21 countries have all said this is this Bolsonaro guy is very dangerous right. and Brazil needs to watch out. And, and, and so a lot, they're saying that it's a, it's a possible threat to democracy. So what is at stake here is not just like, Oh, I disagree with your politics. Right. It's, it's more than that. It's bigger than that. And people need to get on board understanding that. But I think again, it's, it's going to be tough because the P, the hatred for the PT is, is ingrained. Yeah. It's, it's here to stay. And, and, you know, and I agree also that it's legitimate that people are sick of the corruption. People are. But it's but, but it's important to say also, it's not like this was a the left doesn't have a monopoly on the corruption. It's just that the media and right wing well, politicians really like focused on it. Right. In a way that they didn't with the right. Not not really. I think that the left, the, I mean, the PT specifically did allow the corruption to go rampant and it, and it hit ultimate highs that it has in 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 the history of Brazil. So, I mean, you know, on the one side, we do need to admit that. And I think that. The PT could have done well if better if they had done a, a, a criticism and and thought about wait where are we going wrong you know instead of just denying everything and blaming it on you know a political persecution I agree that there is also things that get bent by the media and it's portrayed in a certain way so I agree with you in that sense but we also need to sit down and admit guys corruption you know reached an ultimate high. During these years, and there's something else that we need to admit is that it's unhealthy for a democracy to have the same political party in place for 16 years, yeah. right? So, and also the fact that Lula is the center of everything, and that is again, uh, you know, you're waving at populism here, and that's not a you don't want to be nodding to 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 populism because that's also not healthy for a democracy. So, you know. On the one hand, that all that being said, we we also need to realize that at, at this point, that those you know those critiques and 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 that whole um, the problems that have risen within the PT are nothing compared to what we could face yeah. with yeah. the erosion of democracy if Bolsonaro was to win. So you know. So again, so you, you have to put things in a balance, yeah. right? Right. I mean, we can have a debate because I don't know if, I don't think populism is bad per se. I think it, uh, when it's on the left, but we can talk about that later. Uh, and when you said you don't want the same party for 16 years, I guess it depends on the alternative. I mean, I agree that it's probably not good at optics, but where can people find you online? I've actually closed all my social media to people because the, that's the other thing that's uh, characteristic of the Bolsonaro Mm. Uh, supporter groups they attack you on social media so I've closed down all my accounts because people come in and they they will threaten you they will attack you they will humiliate you publicly so I'm actually not really on social media these days well what about your website what about Agencia oh okay so you can find us at uh, apublica.org apublica.org apublica okay okay thank you so much Mariana thank you Mariana Mariana I don't know what to tell you Thank you so much to Mariana Shimoas. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. You can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM. Also on iTunes, where you can rate and review us. Also on SoundCloud. You can also find extra episodes and extended interviews on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's Patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. 
My Twitter handle is KT Halps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. My co-host Twitter handle is Gabe underscore Pacheco. You can use the hashtag KT Help Show. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S-H-O-W. Find us on Facebook. Stand by for some great episodes and bonus episodes, including an interview with Leslie Lee, a struggle session, and an interview with Sarah Miller, plus the girl whose life was saved by Bernie Sanders. And no, I'm not talking about myself, although you could say that. <laughs>